Josh said to me uh, earlier this week, he said, it's been a week. And, uh, and it has. It has. And for all of you who climbed up into the attic and uh, clothed yourself in fiberglass this week, uh, I, I want to say thank you. Uh, because as we uh, look into the Word of God this morning, we're all beneficiaries of your toil and your labor. And so uh, from the depths of my heart, uh, thank you for your service this week. If, if I'm describing some of your work uh, this week, uh, it, is, uh, it is significant, uh, and I'm, I'm really grateful. Um, let's do something uh, different before I jump into the Word, before I get into the to the message this morning. In the back of the, the pews there, there are these little cards. Okay, now this is just a prototype, all right? I want to let you know, prototype. Prototype means we're going to tweak this. Prototype means that we're going to spell correct this, especially as you look at the first line. Welcome to Covenant, Covenant Baptist Church. And actually, that's the, the quick... Uh, spelling there. So if you if you say Covenant Baptist Church really fast, it comes out Covenant Baptist Church. Um, also in the second line, this card is one of the mammy ways, you know, mammy ways that we can get to know you. Uh, what we want to do with this card this morning is we just we want to begin to use the back. Okay, it's very important. This is actually a spiritual exercise that I want us to practice here at this church, which is is participating in prayer together and in the way uh, there are some of you who are called to prayer and that's that is that is how you bless this church it is one of the most significant services that that can be done the, the most significant works that can be done in the church and by the church is that we get on our knees and we pray to our father and we ask him for help um, that may be you and if that is you you know how significant this card is that people in the church would fill it out and say, hey, pray for me this way. This, this, this is a person in my family who doesn't know the Lord. Pray for them. This is something that I'm concerned about. This is something that I'm worried about in my life. Pray for me. And th that way, we who pray can minister to you. We can bring uh, those concerns those thoughts before the throne of God's grace and we can just lay them there and say God just take care of them okay so that's what this is for and so <clears throat> it is an act of pride not to write anything on this but it is a spiritual activity to fill this thing out and put it in the in the offering in the offering box now on the back it says this is a public prayer request anybody can know about this I want everybody out there people all over across America to pray for this. Uh, and then it, you may say, well, no, I just want our elders and pastors to pray for this. And you can select that box and we will hold that in confidence and we will pray for that for you. All right, so that's what this is. Please use this. Uh, and uh, like I said, we'll tweak it and we'll get the spelling uh, right on the second printing. All right, this morning we are in... Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Um, it begins with a therefore, um, which Paul has just been notorious, and he's going to be notorious today in using therefore this, therefore this, therefore this. And why does he use all these therefores? Well, he's building an argument. And so as he, as he makes a, a point, he then makes his next point. And he says, because of what I just said, now do this. 
And then because of that, then do this, okay? So he's being very systematic and he's trying to help us to understand his, his line of thought with clarity. And so uh, for us this morning, as we think about the therefore that begins this section, we think about all of chapter four. We think about Josh three weeks ago talking about unity and how vital that is for the body. We, th- we think about uh, two weeks ago when I talked about spiritual gifts and how that, that, that even though we're one, God has made us diverse, that there's, there's not sameness among us. He's made us different so that we can bring those differences to, to build up the body of Christ. And that builds our unity. And then last week, as Josh talked about taking off the old self, being renewed in the spirit of our mind by by confessing and repenting, we put on the new man, right? And I I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of this last week confessing and repenting. Great application. And that that becomes part of our spiritual walk, the everyday confession and repentance and saying, God, I need you. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness because I'm human, because there's still part of me. There's, my flesh is still a part of me and I'm still prone to wander. Lord, get me back on track. I don't want to be that man anymore. Help me, God. That is part of the Christian life. Such an important message last week. And because of all of that, chapter four, He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Now, I'm going to read this passage for us. I'm going to kind of break this up into three sections, okay? And we're going to look at these three sections. The first section is uh, verses 1 and 2. And in this section, Paul is going to kind of give us his, his overall theme, right? He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's the first section. I'm going to come back and talk about that, but let's move uh, move through the passage. The second section starts with this contrasting uh, uh, word right here, but, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. So that completes that second section there. We'll talk about that. And now this last section, 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk, 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Jo- um, Josh, <laughs> I forgot, I almost said called you John. Josh read for us John 5, 1 through 8, the story of Jesus uh, calling the man at the pool of Bethsaida to get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And I've entitled this message this morning, uh, Arise and Walk. And I, and I believe that perhaps Paul had this story in mind. There's another similar story in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John uh, run into a guy at the temple and they, they, uh, he's, he's been begging there uh, from birth. He's at the, at the gate, beautiful. And Peter looks at him and he says, he commands them, look at me. And he says, uh, he says, I don't have silver or gold for you, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Right? So again, this, this story, and we're, we're going we're gonna to see this word walk become a very important idea and theme that Paul is using in the book of Ephesians. In fact, he uses it eight times. It's the word peripateo. Now, the, the, the prefix peri means around, right? We, we, like, like in the word perimeter, right? Peri, around, it, it, like to, to measure around the perimeter, right? Now, now, he uses this with walk, to walk around. And it, the idea is, is this is your style of life. This is how you live. This is your pattern of living. In fact, the NIV actually translates this, this word as live. But it's actually walk around. So at the heading here is walk in love or walk around in love. Right? Um, so like I said, eight times he uses this. He uses it in Ephesians 2, verse 2. He says, you, it, you once used to walk following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. There's that sons of disobedience. It's, it's in our passage today. So notice that. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works or for good works, which Christ has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Right? Or Ephesians 4.1, Josh preached, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of, the, of your calling which you've been called. Or Ephesians 4.17, now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And this week, as we look at this section in 5, he uses it three times. Ephesians 5.2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He uses it again and says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And then last, Ephesians 5.15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. I think the danger in our life, and the reason why Paul is emphasizing this is that as we 
walk the Christian life, sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we just, we don't count the cost. We don't realize, oh, this is for the rest of my life. And so we go, oh, well, this is kind of a, this is hard. And I didn't realize how long it was going to be. If we were to walk from here to the kitchen, we wouldn't think anything about it. If we were to walk from here to the Northwest Arkansas Mall, we kind of would go, well, that's, you know, we, we'll get there, you know. Maybe a little bit of complaining along the way. But if we were to walk from here to Seattle, I don't know that many of us would make it. And the temptation to stop, to turn around and go back, would be really strong. And so Paul is saying, walk. Walk in love. This is the way that you walk. This is your style of life. He says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is Paul's theme, and this is where he starts. This is the first section, right? He says, be imitators of God. Copy God. Follow God. Do what you see God doing. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, did you need someone to tell you that? When my kids were teenagers, I used to tell them things, and they would give me this, ugh, duh, I know that. And I would say, okay, well, I need to tell you because what I'm seeing in your life isn't reflecting the knowledge that you have. Which is true, and it's not just true about teenagers, it's true about us, right? There's a vast difference between what we know we should be doing and what we actually do. For example, I know I should exercise, but it's been a long time since I put on my running shoes. I know that sugar is a drug and I am addicted to it. I know that I'm prone to diabetes and yet still pulling into Sonic and getting a giant sugar drink is something that I think about often. I live outside of Tawny Town, between Tawny Town and, and Siloam. And I see, especially this week, tons of people pulled over. And yet still, I have a problem driving the speed limit. There's a vast difference between what I know I should be doing and what I actually do. And so do we need to hear this? Yes. Did the Ephesians need to hear this? Well, the wonderful thing about the book of Ephesians is that we get to hear the end of the story because Paul meets with the, with the elders in Acts chapter 20 and he warns them, he says, be, be, be careful. As soon as I leave, wolves are going to come in and they're going to deceive you. And then he writes this wonderful letter to the Ephesians and then in Revelation, we have this letter to the, to the church of Ephesus and what does he write to them? He says, I know that you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, that you have not grown weary, but I have this against you. I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Go back and do those things you knew you should be doing. Remember the things that I told you. You need to imitate God. And you went, yeah, 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 Paul, we know that. In fact, this 
in some respects, is a very easy sermon to preach. And yet, in some respects, it's the hardest of all sermons to preach. Because how do you convince somebody that they need to do something if they think they already know the information? It's hard. It was hard with my kids. Because even though I reminded them, they still failed to do the thing that I reminded them about. And it's not just them. Like I said, it's all of us. He says, he says be imitators of God as devout worshipers to the only God. Be imitators of God as faithful subjects to a king. Be imitators of God as duty-bound slaves to a master or to an owner. Be imitators of God as a law-abiding citizen respecting a righteous judge. No. Although all those things are true, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children. Let God be your role model. Let God be your hero. Let God be your teacher. I'm going to flip over to 1 John because I think that uh, what John writes uh, reflects this beautifully. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And he says, flipping around here. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Did you need to hear that this morning? Did someone need to hear that this morning? I needed to hear that this morning. Paul Washer is a, a preacher that I listen to often, and I'm not going to steal his il illustration, uh, even though there was probably a time in my life when I did the exact same thing that he's talking about. I'm just not that kind of preacher to steal his illustration. So I'm going to give him credit. He talks about working on the farm with his dad and how uh, his dad would get him up at the crack of dawn. And uh, in the winters, he would, he would tell him to get up and we're going to go, go work. And he said they'd put on their boots and they'd march out into the snow. And his dad's footprints would be in front of him. And he said, as a small child, he said, I would, I would try and get my footprints into his footprints all the way to the barn and all the way around the farm. I was trying to walk in his steps. And he said, yes, I looked foolish. Yes, I didn't always get it right. And yes, uh, um, what was the, the other thing that he said? I didn't get it right. I looked foolish. And he said, and, and I, could, I couldn't do it. He said, I failed miserably. He said, but still, he said, you can't deny the heart of that child, the wanting to to walk after his father, the way that his father walked. And I'm sure that I did that at some point in my life as my dad was walking in the snow to walk behind him and try and put my feet in his footsteps. And, and probably you did too, realizing the futility of that. But it didn't matter because you just wanted to be like your dad, want to walk like he walked. And so I think that, man, what a great illustration of what Paul is encouraging us to do, imitating God. So how does he encourage us to imitate him? Do we encourage, are we encouraged to imitate his righteousness, his holiness, his hatred of evil, his wrath against the wicked, his grace and forgiveness towards the elect? No, he says, walk in love. He says, here's the way that, that you should imitate your father. Imitate his sacrificial love. 
The very same love that you see in the Father as he exercises his will to sacrifice his precious son for us and atone for our sin. In that same way, that same will of God that desires that his wrath would be satisfied, that his, the demand of his love would be satisfied, walk that way because it's a pleasing offering to God, the God who wills our salvation. I'm going to flip again to, I should just put my finger there in 1 John. 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In, the, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loves us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, our culture has done a horrible disservice to this word and has defined it in a way that is not love. But God defines love for us, right? And as, as long as he is defining love for us and we are reflecting and imitating the love that we see, he says that should be what we experience among us. This is how we relate to one another in love. We'll begin the second section with that contrasting conjunction, but... And I think Paul begins this second section to, to further describe what he's talked about in the beginning section, but, but to, to describe what it's not, right? Sometimes describing what it's not helps us to understand what it is further. He says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as is proper among the saints, let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So these things that he's talking about here, sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthy or foolish talk, crude joking, and I don't have to define those things for you, right? You know what those things are. We know what these things are, right? This isn't a mystery here. He's not trying to veil things from us or, or talk in metaphors. He's talking clearly. He says these things are out of place among the saints. He says they shouldn't even be named among you. There shouldn't even be a hint of this. Bye, Eleanor. <laughs> because why? Because it's not proper. He says you are a saint. This isn't what saints do. Did you need to hear that this morning? Maybe somebody needed to hear that this morning. I think we all need to hear that because it's hard to live in this world and not be affected or stained by sin, especially sexual sin, which is our culture is just pumping it out there. It's like, it's like you sit down to watch a movie with your wife and, and you're watching this movie, you're enjoying it, and then all of a sudden there's something that's there and you're just like, why? And, and, and you go, well, sometimes I've turned my head away, but sometimes, sometimes I'm just, I'll just, it's gonna be over in just a second. I'll just, 
not going to look away. And I think, why? Because it's just a little bit. It's not going to affect me. And Paul says, no. It does affect you. This isn't proper among you. You're a saint. That's who you are. He says, for or because... You may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Don't you realize the people who do this, they're the people who are different from you. They don't have an inheritance in the kingdom, but you do. Again, he's pushing this idea of identity and we need to hear what he's saying. It's very important. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Again, that, he uses this earlier. We read it earlier. Sons of disobedience. Is he describing us? No. He's describing those people who do these type of things that we know are not proper for the saints. He's showing us the difference and it's important that he does this because he's about to say, don't be partners with them. Don't get, don't get lured into some relationship or some association with people who do this because you're different from them. You're not the same. We read in chapter four, um, Paul's encouragement that, that we need to mature as a church. We don't need to be childish in our ways. We don't need to be carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and the deceitfulness of schemes. And, and he's talking about enemies of God who will attack the people of God, right? And, and they're, they're using craftiness. They're using sleight of hand. They're trying to trick you into thinking that this doesn't matter. And Paul says, this does matter. This does matter because it's not who you are. He says, therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, right? Again, see, you're, you're not darkness. You're, you're, you're now the light. You are light in the Lord. Uh, this interesting... Um, word light john uses it in john chapter one i'm gonna flip over there i'm gonna be doing a lot of flipping today john chapter one in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men Hear that, the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Interesting that, that in 1 John, he says, if you say you have fellowship with God and you walk in darkness, you lie, and the truth is not in you. What is this light? As it refers to God, he's talking about holiness. He's talking about purity, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. First John says that as well. And, and perhaps there was, there was a time, uh, and maybe that time is now as well, that, that people were trying to convince Christians. Maybe God isn't that pure. God is veiled. God is complicated. 
Only certain people can really understand the mysteries of who he is. And that's untrue. Because God has revealed himself to us. We have his word. We know who he is. And in, in, in that light, Paul is saying, imitate God. He's shown you, O oh man, what he requires of you. So walk in the light. You're a child of the light. Again, you're not worshipers, subjects, slaves, or citizens. You're children of the light. And then he says, and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Okay? Over and over, he's going to say that. He's going to encourage us to discern what the will of the Lord is. Okay? And we're going to see it again. But I think that he says he, he ties discerning and what is pleasing to the Lord. And if we go back to, to, to verse 1, we read that, where's my verse 1? Verse 1, 5, 1. Therefore, be imitators of God's beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is something that is, he's already defined what is pleasing to God. Is this, is, is Christ's love for us, his sacrificial love for us. So, he, so, so that is, that is, a clue for us about how we discern what the Lord, what the will of the Lord is. It is what is pleasing to the Lord. And we want to discover that. He gives us a command. So take no part, meaning don't be associated, don't be connected, don't do business with them. These people who do unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them for what they do in secret is shameful. This is, I think if, if we go to Psalm chapter 1, I see this playing out um, as the psalmist tells, um, let me see where it is, Psalm chapter 1, as he tells, uh, he tells us, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And this progression of walking we're walking in the Christian life. We're, we're trying to imitate God. There is a temptation that the counsel of the wicked catches our ear. And soon we're not walking after God, but we're, we're kind of diverted and we're kind of walking over here to listen to what the counsel of the wicked is. Because it's, it's tempting. And then soon we find ourselves, we're stopped walking, now we're standing. We're standing in the way of sinners. We've, we've stopped moving in the direction that God wants, in a way that is pleasing to him. And then what's the next step in the progression? We need to sit down. We sit down next to, next to scoffers, people who are, who are very anti-God. They hate God. And now we're, we're sharing company. We're so far away from where we should be. And, and Paul says, don't, don't become partners with them. Don't do that. Now, the next little quote that he has here, I think really sheds light on, on this. He says, therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He is, uh, this could either be a, um, this could either be a, a hymn of 
salvation that the early church would sing, a, a hymn of encouragement, or it can be a paraphrase of Isaiah 60, which was our call to worship this morning. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Why is Isaiah writing this? He's writing this to the exiles who were who were taken away into captivity in Babylon. And he's saying to them, this is a time of restoration. This is a time of return and renewal. God is taking you back as his people. And you're getting to come home. So don't go back to idolatry. The very thing that got you taken away. The very thing that got you pushed out of God's uh, as being God's people. Arise, shine, your light has come, finally. Now Paul takes this, and he doesn't, I was taught in, in uh, as I was learning how to write, that if you use a quote, you should, actually, you should actually tell the significance why that quote matters to what you're saying, right? And Paul does a great job of this. He actually just applies it directly to the Ephesians. He says, awake, O sleeper. And rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Now, I was confused a little bit because I thought, now wait a second, they're not dead. Right? They're alive, right? Chapter 2, he said, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, but now Christ has made you alive, right? So these people are Christians. He's already called them children of light. So why, are they, why is he saying now that they're dead? Well, there's an interesting Greek word here, and as I was listening to William Still this week, he did a proper job of, of figuring out this, this Greek term that I just breezed right over. It's the word from. The word from in the Greek is ek. And every time I see ek, E-K, I, I go from. That's just what it means, right? Well, William still went and he said, well, if you continue to read down in the descriptions, it also means from among or out from among. So he's saying arise out from among the dead. He's not calling these people the walking dead. He, he would say that doesn't make sense to me because dead people don't walk. They're dead, right? What he would say is he says, I'm calling to the living who are laying around in graveyards among corpses, and I'm calling you to get up. What are you doing? Get up, rise, and walk. Think about that, that story that is found in John that Josh read for us. How foolish it would have been for the, the man who picked up his bed and walked. Any time in his life after that, to walk by those pool see his old friends and spread out his mat and just lay down there among them. It'd be ridiculous. He wouldn't do that, but we do that all the time. He says, wake up, open your eyes, stop lying there, get up, arise and live. In fact, there are people who are dead. They are sons of disobedience. They have no inheritance in the kingdom of God and they are convincing you to lie down among them. Don't do it. Walk. The last section, look carefully or be careful. Be careful how you walk. Not only should you walk, but you should be careful how you walk. 
Not as unwise, but as wise. He's saying walk with purpose. Don't walk aimlessly. Don't walk in a circle. Don't be lost in your walking. But make the best use of your time because the days are evil. I love the, I guess it's the King James that says, instead of make, making the best use, it says redeeming the time for your days are evil. Redeeming the time. That means that we would take our calendars, that we would take our schedules, and that we would, as uh, Sinclair Ferguson says, mark them with the sign of the cross. Realizing that Christ purchased us, which includes our time, which includes how we, how we use our time, how we walk. And it, this is super convicting for me because there, there are plenty of times that, that I find myself just wasting my time. We live in a culture where, where entertainment, we are killing ourselves with entertainment. And we are becoming useless. We're becoming unfruitful. And Paul does not want us to be that. He says, walk wise, walk with purpose. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Again, he's getting us back to discerning what the will of the Lord is. Now, he doesn't tell us how to discern the will of the Lord. He doesn't tell us that. He just says we should be doing it. We should be doing it a lot. We should be discerning what the will of the Lord is every moment of our life, finding what is pleasing to him so that we can be like Christ, a, a pleasing aroma. That is the purpose of what we are to use our time with. And then he says, and do not get drunk with wine. Okay? Discern what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine. Now, I... I uh, enjoy uh, wine. and In fact, on Wednesdays, we go to wine night, right? And wine night, we, we have a lovely wine tasting, different kinds of wine, and I'm learning things about wine and things like that. This is not a prohibition not to drink wine, but it is saying instead of giving yourself over, because you can do that, right? There's a certain amount of wine that you can drink, and you're fine. But there's a point at which you're not fine, right? So discern the will of God. Don't get drunk with wine to the point where you're out of control or you're being influenced by someone, something else, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, so don't get to that point where you lose control with wine but with the Holy Spirit, that's how you should be. You should be feeling his influence. You should be feeling the control of the Holy Spirit because he will lead you into truth. He will bring conviction to your heart. He will lead us into truth because he's a spirit of truth. And he will, he will remind us of all the things that Christ said he would do. So, how do we do that? How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? The, the scriptures are clear that as we become Christians, that the Spirit indwells us. But I think in the same way that we would drink wine to that point where it is 
controlling us. I think that we can, we can get to a place in our lives where the Holy Spirit is active, right? And how do we do that? I would say it is by being in God's law word and consuming this. If he is the one who leads us into all truth, and this is the word of truth, those things go together. And so, it, so when I hear him say this, I'm hearing him saying, hey, use your time to discern the will of God. You'll find it in here as he reveals himself to you. You want to know who God is so you can Im imitate him? He's right here. Let the Holy Spirit describe him to you. Let him flesh out. I didn't think flesh out God. That's a weird term. He came in the flesh. Uh, but the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the fullness of who God is. I guess that's what I mean by flesh out. And the result, the result is going to be obvious. It's going to be three things here. Singing to the Lord, having gratitude, giving thanks, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. These are signs, my pizza's ready, that um, these are signs that Christ, uh, that, that we're being, we're imitating the Lord, we're being influenced by the Holy Spirit, and, we're, um, and we'll see that in worship as we sing to the Lord, as we give gratitude to God for all things in Christ's name. What does that mean? It means that we never forget the gift that Christ is to us. And because of that gift, we can be grateful for everything that we receive. And then submitting to one another. Uh, I believe that that's similar to what I spoke about on two, two weeks ago about speaking the truth in love, how we submit to one another because we need one another. We need people in our lives who speak into our lives, who, who reveal to us the truth about us, but also call us to those things that we know we should be doing, but we just aren't doing. Um, I think that that submission is what, what he's talking about there. A lot of times people look at this and they, they kind of blur this into the, his next uh, topic, which is talking about husbands and wives. Um, I, I don't believe that, that that is the case, that husbands and wives are mutually submissive to one another. I believe that God has set up husbands to be uh, the, the head, uh, to be able to have that responsibility to care and protect uh, their families. Uh, and when, when the decision needs to be made, somebody needs to be able to step up and make that decision and be responsible. And God has given men that role, okay? It goes all the way back to the garden with Adam and Eve. Uh, so this should not be confusing to us. But I believe that we will all submit to the authority that is established by God in our lives. So whether that's in our marriage, whether that's in parenting, or whether that's in our work, that God's, that authority, we're going to submit to one another uh, out of reverence for Christ. Now, did we need to hear this this morning? Absolutely. Because we need someone to tell us who we are. We need to live, we, we, we are living among a generation of people who are confused with their identity. And we need the church, we need the word of God, we need the Holy Spirit to tell us who we are. And repetition is a great teacher. I think I heard Lanny tell me that once. I asked Josh a couple, uh, I think it was earlier this week, maybe last week. 
I said, if you were to entitle this series, I mean, we just kind of launched this church. We started preaching and, and we're like, we haven't even kind of figured out. It's kind of week to week. What's, what's the next topic? And we found ourselves in Ephesians just following expositionally there. But I said, if we were to, to entitle this sermon series, what would you call it? And he said uh, something similar to the, maybe like foundational truths for, for, the, for the church or for a church plant. And, and I would say that would fit with where we've been. We started talking about how prayer should mark this church, should be one of, our, of the key things that we do. We talked about the next week, we talked about the mission of this church, that we want to be a church that plants churches and obeys the Great Commission. Uh, we talked about unity. We talked about spiritual gifts and how they play a part and how everyone is important uh, and that our service matters. And then last week we talked about repentance, which is so important. And this week, I really believe this message is about identity. It's about who we are. And remembering that, that we're called children of God this morning. Remember that you're called a saint. That you are one who has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. That you're a son of obedience. That you're a children of light, that you're light in the Lord. And I need to hear that. We all need to hear that. We need to constantly hear it and answer those existential questions of who we are. Because only when we're confident in who we are can we say, what am I for? What am I supposed to be doing? And then he pushes us into that, (laughs) that truth that we need to be seeking the Lord. God, how do you want me to walk? What do you want me to do? Therefore, walk as wise. Don't get involved with the enemies of God who desire to deceive you, who desire for you to lay down among them in in death, in unfruitful works. He says, focus. Focus on your Father, imitating Him, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And like Christ, become a pleasing aroma by knowing and obeying the will of God.